Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week three, day five of our study of Joshua. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Joshua 8, 30 through 35. Welcome back to the 10 Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God? Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you from your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, with that, let's jump into God's word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Joshua 8, starting in verse 30. Then Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites. He built it according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool had been used. On it they offered to the Lord the burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. There in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses. All the Israelites with their elders, officials, and judges were sitting on both sides of the ark of the covenant of the Lord facing the the Levitical priest who carried it. Both the foreigners living among them and the native-born were there. Half the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim, and the other half in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formally commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. Okay, so this is kind of a weird aside thing here, right? They've just finished destroying AI, and then now all of a sudden they're at Mount Ebal, Mount Gerizim. So the natural thing would be like, oh, it must be right outside of there. No, it's not. Uh, Let's go ahead and look on the map. And again, if you're just listening, this is 10weekbible.com slash Joshua. Right here we have AI. So the Israelites, they've just destroyed AI, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim are not close to AI. Now, in the grand scheme of things, Israel's not that big. This is not that far, okay? This is, this is in, in our terms, this is a hop, skip, and a jump away. It's, it's not that far. But for them, they're walking. It's rugged terrain. This is not exactly like in their backyard at this moment. And so this is, this is quite a bit of work. And so um, the rabbinic tradition, the Jewish tradition, is that actually this happens right after they come over from Gilgal. Uh, I think most biblical scholars believe this is the the biblical narrative is giving it us the the sequence of how this happened. Um, regardless, um, they're they're there. Whenever this happened, um, I happen to believe it's, it's probably chronological. This is it's telling us when it happened in in the proper chronology, and and the reason why I think that is is I think that they needed to um, <clears throat> they they needed to subdue these two cities, or Joshua felt like he needed to subdue these two cities before they went and they did this thing. Now, why they're doing this, we're going to get into that at the end, but it's alluding here that that you know Moses had told them to do this. We're going to read that in Deuteronomy here in a minute. But back to the map. So they conquer AI and then they come up probably down in the valley and they come over here and they're the the host of Israel is in between Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. Uh what we're going to see Moses commanded part of them to be on Ebal and part of them to be on Mount Gerizim but he commanded them to to make an altar and so Joshua makes an altar atop Mount Ebal here. And, uh, and we're gonna be told that it's, it's, you know, still there to this day and what they were commanded to do. Uh, let's go ahead and read about it, uh, again in verse 34 afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings 
and the curses, just as it was written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the foreigners who lived among them. Okay, um, so a couple things going on here, right? Moses, or Joshua builds an altar. They sacrifice on it. And it says that Joshua wrote in stone all of the words of the law. Now, this is interesting because this is definitely uh, normal for people in this era to chisel into stone, great military victories. You know, we see uh, in Mesopotamia and Egypt, we have all of this kind of stuff, stuff chiseled into stone. That's how we know about it today. There is no paper that survives to this day from that time period. It's all gone. Um, some of the oldest paper that we have in the world with writing still intact on, I believe is the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's because they sit in a very arid place in pots that no one knew about for 2000 years. And even then they're mostly like deteriorated. <clears throat> so there, there's, there's in reality from this time period, there's no paper. So the only thing that we have that we know is from things that people either, they would write on clay, they would write into soft clay at times and then bake it so that that would actually make it last. We do have uh, letters and things sent like that, um, or we have stone. And so Joshua's doing this. He's setting this up on top of here so that uh, it's going to persist for generations. He wants the words of the law written there so people can see them and that they will persist over time. Now, incidentally, uh, back to the map, this area, uh, we know that the city of Shechem, or Shechem, however you want to pronounce it, is right here in between these two mountains. And this is an important place in the history of Israel. This is where, um, where uh, Joseph said that he wanted, uh, or, you know, uh, uh, Jacob and, and Joseph, they, they wanted their bones. Jacob, uh, excuse me, wanted his bones buried here at she Shechem. And so this is a, an important place in kind of the history, the narrative of God promising the Israelites he was going to give them their land and then them actually inheriting it. This is kind of like... Uh, promise central, like ground zero of the promises of the Lord. It never tells us exactly why the Lord told Moses why they chose these two mountains to do this with, but I think this is why, right? This is where, this is essentially where Jacob, uh, Joseph, all the, the patriarchs, this is where they were in this area. This is an important place to them. Um, over their history. And so they choose this place to set up these essentially monuments to the law of God, this altar that's there, you know, that persists over time and to actually fulfill the word of the Lord through Moses. Let's go ahead and read that now. Uh, that's in Deuteronomy 11, verse 29. When the Lord your God has brought you into the land you are entering to possess, you are to proclaim on Mount Gerizim the blessings and on Mount Ebal, the curses. And it, it goes on from there, you know, it kind of gives a little bit more instruction on how to do it. But basically, it's supposed to have two camps of people, uh, Levites, priests, up on these mountaintops, and the people of Israel down in the valley between them, and they're to be proclaiming. And, and these mountains are not like, this is not Mount Everest. These are not, you know, 20,000 uh, or, or 15,000 foot mountains. These are 
like a couple thousand feet above sea level. And so, you know, whatever they are, there's, there's several hundreds of feet above the valley below, but we're not talking about, you know, they're so far away that no one can hear them. Um, they're actually in a good position for them to be shouting and, and calling these things down. And so the point was, there are blessings and curses or, or blessings and warnings, essentially, in the law that, that God had given to Moses. And Moses is like, when you get there, go to the, the valley where Shechem is, basically, and these two mountains. I want everyone down in the valley below. And I want one mountain, I want you to be proclaiming the blessings and the other mountain, the curses that will happen if you do not obey the law. Right? And so that's what happens. Um and so they're there. There's apparently a lot about this in the Talmud. I've not personally read a lot of this. I've read some, um, but it's there was a giant ceremony, and you know, I mean, this is a big deal, right? This is not uh, Joshua. Just they just went there on a whim, built a little altar, scratched in the words of the law real fast on some rock. No, this took some time and effort, right? They planned this. They got this together. There is a big ceremony. There's some pageantry to this. Um, the idea is that when they hear the curses, they say, yes, like we hear you, we agree to this. They listen to the blessings. Yes, we hear you, we agree to this. The idea is they're saying amen to both sides um, and that, that they offer the sacrifice, but also fellowship offerings. This is something that I like uh, to point out when it comes to, you know, all of the laws, the Levitical laws over Israel about all of these sacrifices and things like this. Um, people's eyes tend to roll into the back of their head when you start talking about Leviticus and, and the laws and the sacrifices and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that's very important, and I like how it's called fellowship offerings, a, a lot of, if not most of the offerings that people to bring were, were food, right? They're animals and things like that. And they're supposed to slaughter them, butcher them, uh, essentially grill them or smoke them or boil them. And then part of that is supposed to go to the Levites. Part of that is actually supposed to be the family that brings them in certain situations, supposed to sit down and have a meal with their sacrifice that they brought. And so part of the sacrifices of the Lord is always this intention for fellowship, right? We get to know people. We, we love people. We grow in love for people. We grow in friendship for people uh, when we ha- eat with them, when we fellowship with them around food. And that's exactly what the Lord does with all of these sacrifices is he wants fellowship with us, right? It's not just like the Lord's like, hey, I want you to bring me stuff and sacrifice it so it can just be wasted on me. That, you know, that's, I think people have that in their mind of, um, of, of how the sacrificial systems work and things like that. And we see other religions and, and the way they sacrifice things sometimes looks like that. And that's not what the Lord's doing. The Lord wants fellowship. He wants people to, to repent, right? He wants their sins forgiven, but he also wants fellowship with you and I. And that's really the heart. That's the point behind all of the sacrifices in the Old Testament is that he wants to fellowship with his people. And we see that here. He's having them bring uh, sacrifices, but also fellowship offerings to fellowship around food that they are preparing with the Lord, food and, and things, that, by the way, that he's provided in this land that they didn't have to grow, they didn't have to build, they didn't have to raise. So that's what's going on here. But they are, they are fulfilling the word of the Lord through uh, the, the God gave to Moses that when you get to this land, go here. Again, it doesn't tell us 
Um, and again, it's definitely possible this could be out of sequence. That's not a real big deal if it, if it is, but I think it is probably in sequence. And it's that Joshua, for whatever reason, is like, hey, because Moses even tells us in, in, in Deuteronomy, it goes on and it says, hey, you know, this place is near Gilgal when you cross over. Uh, it's near this place. And so that's why they camp at Gilgal. And that's why they end up going up there. Um, and, and so Moses laid all of this stuff out. I'm just, it would take too long to read all of it. <clears throat> but uh, Moses tells them all of these things in advance. I think he takes the two cities to kind of prepare the way to go do this. All of this is leading up to this moment. They're in the land. They haven't finished clearing the land. They just begun to start it, right? This is not exactly the time to have this big ceremony with pomp and circumstance where you're engraving things in stone and doing this kind of stuff in a valley where you're susceptible to attack and all. This is really a wrong time for this, but it's what they're doing and I think that the only thing that Joshua wanted to accomplish before he did this was Jericho and AI. And again, I don't know exactly why. And that's if we're understanding that the chronology is correct here in the way it's laid out in scripture. Either way, this is a really odd thing. This is, I think, in my opinion, very trusting that the Lord is there with you in power, that you're going to do this thing before you have subdued the land. This is definitely not, when we're looking at the chronology, this is definitely not after they've subdued the land. This is before they've subdued the land. This is paramount. This is like a big deal for Moses, what he told them to do. It's a big deal for Joshua. And so they're just at the beginning of this, and they are essentially re-upping their commitment that we are going to do this whole law thing that Moses gave us. And again, this goes back to the why is the Lord telling them, go and wipe them all out? Why are they setting up these, these stone uh, stellas, these tablets where the writing is on there of the law? Um, and it's because we are displacing the wickedness, the irredeemable wickedness, and we are replacing it with the law of God, with righteousness, we are replacing the wickedness with righteousness. And that's what all of this is about. The Israelites are there to redeem the land. The Lord is giving them this land so this land can be redeemed from the wickedness of mankind, from the Amorites and the Canaanites, all of the ites that are there. The Lord is redeeming it. And he's essentially called them like irredeemably corrupt and wicked. That's why they've all got to be wiped out. But in their place, in the place of all of this abuse and murder and just all of the ugh that's going on there, tons of uh, indescribably bad things, the Lord is setting up uh, mountains of righteousness. And that is what this is about. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.